everything good? Right, so weird having some here, not the microphone. Okay, we're going to look at being transformed to transform this morning. So, just want to put it out there straight away. Have you ever experienced someone in your life who, for whatever reason, they just pull out the best in you? Just someone who, being around them, seems to make you a better person, seems to just pull something out like you, you like yourself when you're with them. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes it's amazing if those people are consistent in your life. And actually, a lot of the time, they can just be people that pass by so briefly in our life. You know, like when you're at the supermarket checkout and you're all huffy and puffy because the person in front of you is taking so long and you finally get to the checkout and you're all like indignant that you've had to wait. And yet the checkout person is so lovely and just dissolves any feeling of a bad attitude right there and then and gets you engaging in this conversation that, you know, you forgot you were huffy in the first place. Like, just beautiful people like that that pull out the best of us and just, yeah, make us a better person. I am... I don't like washing up at all. Uh, when I was, when we were little, I've got um, three brothers and a sister, got a big family, and we used to have a washing up rotor, and my washing up rotor was on the Monday. I have to say, just beyond, be beyond reproach, my mum has a different uh, interpretation to this story, so just so you know right there, that if you talk to my mum, she's probably got a different thing of what I'm going to say. Um, but I really didn't like washing up, and like you're always very interested in what's for dinner on your washing up night because you want to know how big your job is going to be after the washing up. And for some reason, I was on a Monday and if my mum didn't do her roast on the weekend or on the Sunday, she seemed to go through a horrible habit and phase of doing the roast dinner on my washing up night. So that's like three, you know, three vegetables on your plate. That's three pans you have to wash, as well as like the roasting tin, as well as like your roast potatoes and the stuffing and then the Yorkshire puddings. And everyone knows they're really horrible to wash. And we didn't have a dishwasher. We had those like rectangular scourers that didn't have the sponge on the back. So when you're like, you're putting your elbow grease, elbow grease into it, you're actually filing your nails at the same time. It was horrible. And I was so maybe scarred and need some internal heat. <laughs> the point is, is that Nerissa had a girly night a while ago. Nerissa's a gorgeous girl in the church here. And, um, and it was just so nice. She'd cooked for us. It was a really nice crowd of girls. And the atmosphere was just so relaxed. Um, and at the end of the night, obviously, we have to like clear up. And um, as I just watch people like just still chatting, still chilling, or starting to you know, tidy up and wash up for her, I just wanted to go and wash up. Like, I wasn't trying to be a better person. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to even be something that I wasn't. I just wanted to go and be part of this crowd of girls and, and do what they were doing. And something in that atmosphere, the aura of who they were, of what they'd created in that atmosphere, just pulled the best out of me and pulled stuff in me that I was like, wow, I didn't even know I liked this, and, but I want to do it. I want to help out. It's amazing, isn't it? If that is the effect that a group of girls can have on me, Maybe it's just a small transformation for me, but it's, well, it's big. It might be small for everyone else, it's big for me. Can you imagine if that's what those girls did to me in one night? What, when we connect with God, when we spend time with God, like just how much transformation we're opening ourselves up to just by being with him, by spending time with him. He is the ultimate transformer. There's a beautiful verse in the children's Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook that we really love and we, we, we read with our children. And um, I'll read it to you because I'm guessing you've not all brought your children's Bibles with you this morning. <laughs> 
Um, this is from the creation story, and it's when um, God has just made Adam and Eve. And he says this, when God, looked, when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I have ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. Let me just say that again. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. His love is so transformational. It's not us striving to be better, striving to be accepted, working harder to earn this love. We can't earn it. His love is there, and it transforms us, and it makes us beautiful. As children of God, we're being constantly transformed by God, by his love through our relationship with him. And sometimes that looks really radical. And sometimes, actually, like Richard shared last week about our story, sometimes it's just very subtle and a lot of the time internal. Like for the washing up example, the girls wouldn't have been like, oh my gosh, she's washing up, like my mum might have been. But like they wouldn't have known like what that was in my heart. They wouldn't have even known that was transformation. They'd have just thought, yeah, so right, she should be washing up. Do you know what I mean? But to me, it was real. To me, that was God working in my life. Sometimes our transformation is just gentle, a gentle renewing, a refreshing, a revitalizing. It doesn't always have to be extreme. I think it's worth looking at just how we are in our transformation journey. No one should be the same as they were last year. That's what Richard said, we're constantly changing, we've constantly got a new story, haven't we? Because we're constantly being transformed by his love. And I think it's a good idea to maybe ask ourselves if, if we feel like we've not really transformed or we've not had that even refreshing or we don't feel like we've had that, something that does us good or pulls out the best in us. It's a worthwhile question to ask why, I think. To be like, okay, well, how's my connection with God? Like, am I connecting with God, first of all? Like, am I finding it easy to connect? Or if actually I just started doing God and, and doing things of God and church and, and actually it's not really affecting my heart anymore because it's something that I'm putting on. Or it might be just worth looking at friends as well. It's always worth looking at our friends and are they people that do us good, that bring the best out in us? And are we bringing out the best in our friends? It's always worth looking at, like, where am I at in my transformation? Do I need, like, do I need to look at this and look at, right, God, I need, I need some more renewing, I need some more refreshing, like, how can we make that happen? And go on that journey with him. I want to um, turn to a psalm now. If you want to take your Bibles or whatever you're using, um, obviously Bibles, it's just a case of how. <laughs> uh, psalm 139. I'm going to read from just bits for you. So, Psalm 139, I'll go from 1 to 6 first. Just let this, God really ministered this to me. When I was, um, when I just felt like I wasn't good enough for him, and I just felt there was stuff in my life that I couldn't get past, and no matter how hard I tried to work on it, I couldn't get past it, and God used this, um, psalm to really minister to me what he thought about me and where he was at with me so just as I read it like don't let your minds drift off like I'm, I'm bad for that too but really engage with the words and get stuff out of what you need yourself okay psalm 139 verse 1 oh lord you have searched me and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down. 
You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Just jump down to verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I love that so much. I love it so much. God made that so real for me. And I just want to make this point. Wherever you are at on your transformation journey, you are good enough right now. Wherever you are at, you are good enough right now. Good enough to be used by God. Good enough to go make a difference in your world. Let's look at that verse five. He has laid his hand upon you. Knowing full well who you are, he's laid his hand upon you. Verse 13, it was he that created your inmost being. He created your inmost being. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Does that say only the decent ones? Only the days when we weren't going to make a mess and screw up and do something wrong? Or only the days that were perfect were ordained for you? No, it says all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Every single day you are living is ordained by God, no matter how you feel about it. You were worth creating Isn't that beautiful? You are worth creating. So I'll say it again. Wherever you're at on your transformation journey, you are good enough right now. Good enough to be used by God and good enough to go and transform your world. We hear so much that we're a sent people, don't we? If you've been here for at least a few months, you will know that you're a sent people or you've not not been listening to the preach. But I'm guessing you all know that you're a sent people if you've been here for a while. And sometimes when we use the word sent, I just think it can sound like a one-off mission, like we're here and then we're sent, which isn't what's preached, by the way, but that's just how I can you know, hear it sometimes. Um, like we're sent this once, and, and so like we have to pack our bags for this like being sent and this life of being sent. And we pack our bags like we're going on a British holiday where we've got to pack everything for every single weather eventuality. It's like even if I'm going to Eve, my sisters, for the weekend, like two days and I've got like 10 outfits because I don't want to get caught out if it rains and I don't want to get caught out if it's sunny. Like it's a nightmare in Britain, like it really is. And sometimes I wonder if, like, that's how we pack for being sent. Like, we have to know everything. We have to have everything. We have to know the right theology. Like, do I know how to share the gospel? Like, is this actually theologically correct? Like, knowing every single answer to every single situation or thing that might arise and will arise. But that's not what being sent is, is it? We pack light and we get stuff on the go. So if you need a bit of wisdom for a situation, you get it on your way. If you need more grace for um, whatever situation in your life, you get it on your way. If you need to love someone that you're finding difficult to love, you get it on your way. You don't wait and then go. Like It's a constant journey. It's a constant um, transformation. We're on our journey right now. And I sometimes wonder if we can think that we have to be perfect to be sent as well. 
To be honest, I felt like that. Maybe not perfect, because that is like, you know, very unattainable, but at a certain level where, you know, I've dealt with everything. Before, like, God used that Psalm 139, you know, and I just felt like, um, yeah, I, I had to be a certain way, like I had to deal with certain issues in my life before God could even use me. So we don't feel like we can have any issues or bad habits or anything that we can't deal with. We've just got to get past that first before we can be used. So you can't share the gospel while you're on your smoking break at work because, you know, you're smoking. So, like, you know, you're not going to share the gospel or, you know, you can't talk to your friend because, well, they know the real me. So I can't tell them about God because they've seen the real me and, like, they know all the weaknesses and the ugliness about me as well. I don't know, maybe you're just, maybe we all have these things where, you know, we're known for stuff that's maybe not so great, and so you feel like it's stopping you from actually sharing the gospel or from just sharing God to people. Do you know what, though? This is the gospel that we're sharing. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of grace. It's not about your works. It's not about your perfection. It's not about you always getting it right. It is the gospel of grace. And that's what makes us so different to every other faith. That is the one thing about Christianity, or one of the one things about Christianity that stands us out. It's not about our works. We can't work for it. It's all about him. It's outrageous grace, people call it. Like, it's incredible. Let me just read to you Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Not by works, it's a gift of God. We're lovely because we're loved, not because we've earned it ourselves. We recognize on our journey that we need God just as much as the people around us that don't know him. That's the truth. Just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean we don't need God. In fact, sometimes I think we need him more because we know more about him. We know about needing him more. And actually, our need for him seems far greater sometimes. We know that we've not got everything figured out. We realize that. And the world wants that. It wants something real. I am... when I have a week where I just feel like a rubbish mum, and you know, we all get that as mums, you all get that. And um, you know what the most uninspiring thing you can see is someone walking past you with a perfect family and a perfect parent. Like, it is not inspiring seeing that perfection. Like, it's quite frankly really disheartening. You don't want to see that. It's like at the time when, you know, you're hitting a hard time in your marriage and it's needing a bit more work. If you're married, you can relate to that because we've all had it. What is the most uninspiring thing? seeing some loved up couple in front of you or like in the restaurant having some really lovely conversation and laughing and joking and like you don't want to see it like what you want to see is someone that's like you know I've been there like yeah I can relate to you it's hard but this faith but this life and but this hope that's what you need in those situations and that is what the world needs it needs that faith that shot of faith and life and hope It doesn't want to see perfection. It needs to see something real. It needs that grace and acceptance, which we can give because we've got the grace and acceptance for ourselves first because that's how God's transforming us. Our journey is us being transformed by being known and loved by God and then giving out to the world what we've received. It's a non-stop journey. It's not here and then there. It's non-stop. It's a repetitive process. We're getting from God and then we're giving it out. We're receiving. We're giving it out. 
We're continually sent because we're continually transforming. We use what we have right now, and we use who we are right now. There's a word that came um, at a deeper a few months ago, and um, it came in a really uh, unusual way, which sometimes makes me feel like, wow, God, you're really getting our attention here. Like, what is it that you're wanting to say to us? And um, I'll tell you what he said, and you, won't, you probably won't understand it when it first comes, so that's okay. You don't need to say, like, oh, amen. Like, if you say amen, I'll be like, what? Like, you don't get that. <laughs> he said this. He said, it's time to stop living from hand to mouth and start living from mouth to hand. So basically, it meant this. If God has spoken it, we've got it. So we don't need to ask for it. We just need to get it out, to give it out, to speak it out. So God has given us so many promises as a church, to us as an individual church, to us as the church, of like the, the whole church. And actually, it's a place where we need to live in the promises of God. Rather than asking for what he's already given us, man, that is a way for prayer fatigue. You'll get prayer fatigue if you keep praying for something that God's already given you and so disheartened. Actually, it needs to come back out. We have such rich food feeding us in this church, such rich food. You don't realise it until, until you do realise it, obviously. You don't realise it until it's suddenly not there and then you're like, or you go somewhere else and you're like, wow, like, I miss that. Like, I really miss, like, contributions coming on a Sunday. Like, some churches just don't do that at all. That's totally fine. But when you're used to it, you really miss it. You really miss the people speaking, the people bringing promises of God, God speaking to us. The preached word, like they don't just come and just do whatever they want. They, they hear God for us. They hear what God wants to speak to his church right now. What we sing as a worship team helps people to get that connection, to get hear what God's promising over us and to speak it back out, to get it back out. So we've got all that coming in, as well as our own walk with God, what we're doing in our week, like what we're reading in our own Bible, like our own personal walks with God. So much is going in. But if it's not coming back out, then we're going to get fat. That sounds really rude, doesn't it? That's what my sister calls it, Eve. She's like, I don't want to get fat, Rome. What God's telling me to do, like, I need to do it. I just need to do it. There's a beautiful story I want to share with you now from Eve. Um, I've asked her permission. She didn't want to share it herself. Um, Eve went to an Ed Silvoso conference some months ago. He's a, a really incredible evangelist. And um, he had a team of people around him as well that were just evangelists in the world. And they'd all come to, to share, just to inspire, I guess, and share what God was doing. And on the last day of that uh, weekend, it was, um, she felt God speak to her, give her a word, and just remind her of her neighbor and, and remind her of a word that she'd had for a neighbor. Um, or a girl that she'd seen in, in the house nearby her. So, um, so she finishes the weekend, she drives home, and she unlocks her door and puts her bags down in the hallway, shuts her door, she didn't even step into a house, and she goes and walks straight to her neighbours, like she was not getting fat on what had come in and what God had spoken to her. So she knocks on the door, um, a lady answers, it's not the girl that Eve's seen and that Eve's seen before, um, this woman's name is Ellen. And um, so, obviously, it's not the girl, but Eve still prays for her anyway, invites her to church, but Ellen can't go to church because she doesn't have any footwear and she doesn't have clothes that can go outside in. So Eve goes back to her flat, gets her some shoes, gets her some clothes, goes and brings them to Ellen. And that relationship that started then is still going on, and Eve is still connecting with Ellen and actually still transforming that family. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. 
A few uh, time passed, and uh, Eve was prayer walking around her, her area, and she sees the girl that she'd had the word for. Oh, she's surrounded by guys then. Surrounded by guys with the son of Ellen, actually, which is why she'd seen her. Um, and so she went up to her, like, um, introduced herself. The girl was high, like she's um, heavily involved in uh, substance abuse. Goes and introduces herself, gets the girl's name. The girl's name is Sasha. And um, she's like, Sasha, Sasha, like, you know, Jesus wants to say this about you. You are valued and you are precious. Is that right? Valued and precious. You are valued and you are precious. Sasha thanked her. And <laughs> do you know what? This is my sister completely. Turns to the guy next to her and she's just like, look, she's valued and she's precious. So you've got to treat her like she's valuable and like she's precious because this girl is valuable. You better look after her. <laughs> so anyway, spoke the word out. Sasha was really appreciative. Um, time passed again and Eve saw her again. Sasha, Sasha, it's Eve. Reintroduced herself because obviously like she'd been high the first time, probably wouldn't remember much. Um, Sasha, do you remember what Jesus said about you? Sasha couldn't remember. So Eve said again, Sasha, you're valuable, you're precious. Like, that's what God thinks about you. Sasha thanked her again, and Eve realized that she was going to have to write it down for Sasha to remember. So time passed again. She'd written it down, given it to Sasha, and she saw Sasha again sometime later. Sasha, Sasha, what is it that Jesus says about you? Can you remember what Jesus says about you? Oh, hold on a minute. I'm valuable and I'm precious. She was still high. Like this girl had been high every time Eve had spoken to her. And yet she knew, she knew the truth of what Jesus thought about her. And you know what's crazy about that is that she, she didn't fight it off. She didn't say, oh, no, like that's not me. Like look at my life. She took that word and she thanked Eve for that word. And she knows the truth. She's got that truth in her. The start of something. And it's only the start of something because that journey is still ongoing. But you know what's crazy is that she probably knows more truth than some Christians, actually, that she's valuable and precious. And sometimes as Christians, we can struggle to believe that for ourselves. How crazy is that? It was just so beautiful. I want to, um, I want to end with uh, Eli's, Eli's story. Eli is my, my oldest son. He's nine years old. And... Um, We'd read this, this storybook, the, uh, the Jesus storybook, this verse, that God loved them with all of his heart and they were lovely because he loved them. And as we read that, we were, we were thinking about Eli's class and there was a boy in Eli's class that had come quite late on and um, he was really not a very nice, he wouldn't seem to be a very nice boy, he had a very bad reputation in the playground, constantly getting himself into trouble and hurting people, being unkind to people. And um, as we were thinking about this verse, they were lovely because he loved them. I was like, oh, do you know what, Eli? I bet, I bet he needs some love. Like, if he had some love, he'd be lovely. I bet he just needs some love. So Eli heard that and, um, and worked with that. It became real for Eli. And, um, and he'd come back, and every time he'd come back and be like, oh, this boy's in this, I'd be like, yeah, remember. Like, let's remember that verse. Like, he just needs love. And we'd remember it together. And... Um, Sometime passed and Eli would, would go on his journey and be like, oh, mommy, like, he's really nice to me now. Like, he really is always kind to me. Like, he doesn't ever want to say anything mean and he wants to play with me, but he's still mean to his class. But with me, like, he's really lovely. So I'd be able to encourage him and be like, oh, wow, Eli, that is amazing. Like, that is what your love is doing. Like, that is incredible. That is your kindness breaking down his walls. 
I went to pick up Eli um, probably a week after that, and um, they'd, both of them came out together, and they were really excited because they'd written this rap at school. So um, they wanted to rap it to me, so Eli <laughs> rapped it to me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's brilliant, Eli, well done. And uh, the boy's just like, um, oh, Eli, Eli, like, pass me the paper, like, let me have a go. And he took this piece of paper, he looked down, and he started to sound out every single letter. And I realized that this boy couldn't read at all. Like, this boy couldn't even put two letters together to form a word. And, like, my heart just, like, went out. I mean, I felt so privileged to see just a snippet of this boy's life. Just something, like, that's one area of his life. Who knows? You know, who knows what his story has been, what his life has been. Yet this boy, he probably felt like the odd one out because he's the only one in that whole year group that could not read, like, at all. He's nearly nine years old, who couldn't read what the teacher wrote on the board, who couldn't read what was written down in front of him. Like, no wonder he was always attacking before he was attacked. That understanding of the boy and that, like, oh, wow, just wanting to, to make it okay for him. And do you know what? This boy was not bothered at all. He just, like, called out, Eli, Eli, come and read, me, come and read it for me again. Like, come here, come and read it for me. No embarrassment, no shame, no, like, oh, am I going to be mocked? Am I going to be laughed at? Like, is he going to tell his friends? Nothing at all. That boy, do you know what? It was so beautiful to see in front of me. That boy knew he was accepted. The boy knew he was loved for just who he was. The boy knew that he was safe with Eli and that Eli was kind. And as that boy was in front of me, he was such a lovely boy. He was. I saw nothing hard in him. I saw nothing that would be like, in him at all. He was just a lovely boy. That love had broken down his walls. That kindness had broken down his walls. Eli had read something. It had impacted us as a family. It had transformed us as a family. It had become real to us. And so it became real to our world. Eve went on a conference with amazing guys and being totally inspired and instead of just keeping that in and being like wow that was an amazing weekend she let it transform her she let that renewing refreshing encouraging she let that transform her heart and she took it out to transform her world just want to recap quick recap over this morning's journey then so we've looked at transformation what that looks like sometimes it's extreme but mostly it's subtle and internal but no matter where you're on right now on your journey of God transforming you by his love, you are good to go, good to be used by God, good to go into your world and transform it. Not only are you good enough to go, you have everything you need to go now. Remember, we're not living from hand to mouth. We've already got it. We're living from mouth to hand. Whatever he does in you, whatever he says to you, whatever he shows you, let it impact you, let it transform you, and let it impact and transform your world. Don't keep it in. Let's not be a church that get rich but fat. <laughs> let it come out. What comes in must go out. Your story to your world, your transformation, that becomes their transformation. Amen. Amen. <laughs>